You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. Consider your, your own learning for a minute and how easy it is for us to slip into listening for things that already validate things we agree with, whether you're being presented with a new idea or a new relationship or something that's um, in a situation that is unexpected, and how you're looking for something to uh, not necessarily challenge you or or stretch you, that you might even see that as um, hostile or something that's deliberately attacking you. And, um, and I think that's kind of normal, honestly. But imagine if our spiritual lives were only like that, that we just kind of went around looking at the Bible, for instance, for just things that we agree with or things that, you know, say, oh, yeah, I already thought that. Or if, you know, spiritual conversations with friends were around just agreement only or a sense of like, yeah, I already thought that. Or when we were singing these songs, if you're just kind of, thinking that you're supposed to just go with all the lyrics as if they're not somewhat conflictual or some of them don't have a little bit of tension there for you to play around in. I mean, we used a rewritten lyric to what wondrous love is this. I hope there was something in there that caused you to say, wait, those aren't the words. But Seth Martin says it is. And, um, and it causes some, some, uh, an opportunity to be surprised, but also to say, like, all right, what, what is this? have to teach me. But, you know, it's not the worst thing ever to look for similarities or look for connection or look for sameness, right? Because that's, at some level, why um, anyone would not feel alone in the world. It's because they feel a sense of kinship or a sense of connectedness or a sense of um, similarity. But while more and more of our friends try to curate just echo chambers around them, both in virtual, I mean, we don't have to talk about the internet, right? About how much just we want just the same messages or we listen to the people that are already basically agreeing with us. But even in relationships, we want to surround ourselves with people that we think are going to kind of help us feel more secure. And in conflicted times, especially in the United States, it's harder and harder to cross barriers, especially ideological barriers. And um, part of the the problem that we have today isn't just that, um, you know, we're talking about Cameron even brought us up in worship about things like as, as ludicrous and unchristian as building walls across southern borders or, or limiting people to come from places that our military has destroyed and how, how just antithetical that is to, like, basic faith in Jesus, I think. But when, when we, uh, there's a lot of people who are going with it as if it's good. That kind of a thing that you could think divides us or makes us separate is the very thing that I hope to challenge in you today. To be like, don't just go pretend that you're on one side of an issue and somebody else is on another. That's way too easy, and that will shrink you. But how to engage through whatever differences you perceive for the sake of love, for the sake of connectedness. And when we do that more, when we embody that kind of love and when we are able to have those loving relationships even with people who disagree with stuff, we're not going to get into these situations as much. Or at least we'll come up with solutions to them that, that actually bring forth more harmony in the world. 
But some of that just requires for, for a lot of us, you know, an unfortunate dose of humility. Because when you have a sense of moral superiority, when you just know you're right, like I was just talking about how it's antithetical to Christian and kind of jumped on a soapbox for a second, made some big statements that some of you were kind of like, Ease. yeah, yeah. Okay, when we do stuff like that, um, it can also uh, be tempting to live our whole life like that where we're passing, pronouncing judgments on everything. And it um, can be difficult to assume the position of a learner, to, uh, to assume the position of a lifelong learner who would have enough humility to find that when they're challenged, staying engaged, that might actually be the place where real growth happens. And, um, you know, the, the one little word for the day is, is confirmation bias, which happens to be the name of Cameron's backing band that he gigs, gigs with. Was, that's why I thought it was fun to bring up this whole point anyway but it might be a little bit too much of a tangent. But confirmation bias is this tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's own existing beliefs or theories. So when you hear something about a certain administration or government, you're like, yep, that's just what I thought, that kind of stuff. Or when you, you hear a news report that um, a Muslim has killed six people in Quebec City, you're like, yes, that's what they're like. And then you're like, wait, what? That was a white guy who was actually... a anti-immigration person that killed the Muslims. The, Muslim, the Moroccan dude is the guy who called on the phone. That's a new story that um, I hope you know something about. But this, that kind of just um, posture of being a learner, I hope, can lead to not to just conformity or homogeneity, um, but it could lead to just more monoculture, right? Because now we're not allowed to have conflicts that actually cause differences or something. Or it could lead to just, all right, just we have to all get along and be the, be the same. And our sameness is based on that we don't actually take a stand that is um, conflictual with another person. I don't think that's, I think that's not where we're headed today. I think that Jesus makes natural biodiversity happen in us and among us as a people so that we can include anyone so that uh, anyone's gifts could be expressed, and so that we could produce good fruit for God. And that, um, that kind of biodiversity isn't just what makes us feel unique or alone, but able to see how everyone in their own way is different and cool and special, and enjoy also how God unites us, not by all having the same politics, the same educational background, the same you know, term, lexicon and terminology for how we talk about the world, the same background, or the same favorite band, but by love. And, that's, and love is, is the critical way to, uh, to understand the Gospel of John or anything that John wrote in the New Testament. So if you're kind of new to the Bible thing um, and, you're, and love just kind of says, oh yeah, that sounds like it should be pretty good to, to start with, it is. And um, just getting into this uh, long piece that John wrote is just through the lens of love and his uh, not just sense of how much in love with God he is, but how much he is loved, particularly by Jesus. And this is what Jesus is saying in chapter 15 of his gospel. He goes, I'm the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, so remain in me, and I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like that branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, so that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So part of this branch thing and the reason that's relevant is the last you know, month or so we're basically using trees to, to see what they have to teach us about God and about who we really are and about who we are as a people, as the church. And we explored the seeds and the roots, and now we're thinking of the branches. You know, that part of the tree that you can see all year round. When, I, I think this passage is like John, makes some of us feel a little paranoid. Because he distinctly starts off, if you're not bearing the fruit, you're out. And then, you know, things happen that we do with, with uh, those kinds of branches. I think uh, if you're like me, you just have this kind of innate just sense of I'm probably doing something wrong right now. And if I didn't do something wrong, I'm having a wrong thought. Because that's, you know, I don't know why. If I was trained to be like that, probably. But the, or if I, um, or maybe God is trying to t- fix me in some kind of way. Or maybe I was just born like that. But, the, but how to work with that, I think, is to... Um, why are you questioning yourself or trying to evaluate all the time? If that's you, wondering if like, you're thinking wrong or doing wrong enough to be discarded. Why does that evaluation always come down on someone? Whether it's you or whether it's someone else. Now I do this, so I'm, t- I'm talking to myself too. When, the, when the, the main thing that is actually offering is not about discarding or it's not about things that don't work right, but it's about how this whole thing is flourishing and how you're already part of that. And a lot of people are part of that. And God makes sense out of all kinds of weirdness. And that's part of the beauty. Here's a real-life example of just got, um, someone making sense of weirdness. You know, like, the thing about trees, and um, some of you know a bunch, so I'm going to um, offend you in some kind of way. So I apologize in advance. But, like... Um, the first time I ever saw a tree that got grafted by other species, it blew my gourd. I was at my friend's house in California, and they had a, a lemon pear apple tree. And I was just like, this is an abomination. You know, like, the, how, is this, how, is, how can this be? You know, and, uh, or, it was, or it was oranges, lemons, and pears, I think. And, you know, what it, I don't even remember the details. I just remember how I felt about it, you know, the, which is a real, the real trick to a good story, I guess, is a facts are optional, you know, but the, it's, a, it's a strange, funny thing how that can work, and, 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 and interventions that cause actually more biodiversity, but to me, I'm even just, it's so normalized that a tree is a tree, and it's the same thing, and all the branches are supposed to be the same, and sameness, in, even in terms of agriculture or cultivation of living things, sameness is still my, my normal modality, and I came across this thing called the tree of 40 fruit, has anybody heard that? Tree of 40 Fruit is pretty cool. Sam Van Aken has a TEDx talk. It's an un, 
approved TED Talk, you know, the, which is, I don't know, I like TEDx better just because of that, where it's like off the, has not been officially condoned. But, the, but he did, the, he's a, did this conservation and diversity experiment, and he's been cultivating over 250 varieties of stone fruits. You know, and the, the, the most famous of his graphing projects is the tree of 40 fruit. It's the one that grows 40 different species of peaches, plums, apricots, apricots, nectarines, cherries, almonds, and almonds. The, it looks normal enough during most of the, the year until you get to uh, time to blossom and it starts to get all funky and um, curated. And so the basic thing, right, he takes branches from these stock trees that he grows and uses the method called chip grafting onto these existing root systems and root structures. And after about two years, it gets to look something like this. This is, this is uh, Sam himself at his um, subversive TEDx talk. And those little white things, if you can see that, that well or whatever, the, those are just spots where grafts are happening. There's a specific, you know, way to do it. You don't just randomly start chopping branches and taping, you know, robot arms to it, hoping that the, 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 the arm will work. But, but after about two years is what it takes. And, it, and after about, you know, six or something like that, you start to get the flow of how the um, po pollination is happening, how the different blossoms are working in concert with one another, how they're, they're uh, taking turns. And, it, um, you know, part of the experiment is even because so much of these uh, stone fruits are no longer grown in many places. In the United States, commercial stone fruits are almost exclusively grown in California. And when you start to have just, you know, just orchards upon orchards of commercial fruit trees, you can imagine the degradation of the soil, the, the, the even deterioration of the, the fruits themselves, and the, um, when you have different kinds of dangers with you know, either insects or whatnot, it's a, it's a higher risk and it's a, a more serious threat because you don't have biodiversity. You don't have even mo multiple opportunities for this stuff. I'm gonna talk about this a little bit longer, but I hope that you're using your own mind to be able to stretch this into touch to what Jesus was saying about the vine and the branches. Because it doesn't actually work out super clear. It's just a cool thing about that, that is you know, generally connected. I mean, I'll connect it a little bit, but come on, it's a stretch. So um, now these trees, though, are, are being planted throughout the United States and uh, even produce you know, different fruit and different you know, those varieties, those fruit on the same tree. And, um, and most people still, you know, when you say a plum, you might think that there's two or three kinds of plums, um, and you may not have ever had a yellow plum or think that they're commercially viable. But when it grows next to the other ones, I think the curiosity can grow too. And um, it's amazing to me what, what can even grow on the same tree, let alone the same orchard. But by being connected to the vine, we get stretched to include others, sometimes in surprising ways. And I think the best relationship growth things that I learn are not from people who are like, wow, they just seem like so similar to me. You know, we just have all, this. we have the same sense of humor, said 
me about no one ever, but the, you know, like we have the same, you know, taste in music. Probably, sorta, you know, but the, the people who actually I thought were pretty different and what connected us wasn't just affinity, but the significant growth came be, is because what connected us was love. And love is what it required to bring us together, to hold us together, to, to teach us both. The people we grow to include may not seem like they fit in right away. We also might not feel like we fit in all the time, but Jesus is making sense of it because of love. This is the next part of the same chapter in John 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. P.S. I love it when Jesus just boils it down. Give me a little, give, and I love the long metaphor too, but like, here it is. You know what he's going to say. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose, chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So what even keeps branches healthy in the, the metaphorical sense, the spiritual sense? Probably real life too. But it's that we grow from this good, healthy stuff, or we're grafted onto something healthy. For us, that we, that we grow when we came from Jesus. That's a reality if you think Jesus is the creator and created all things. Being if John talks about everything that has been made, been made through Jesus, that kind of stuff. So if that's where we're all coming from, at some level, there's good in everything that was created. Robots are a stretch. <laughs> but I'm talking about, you know, created in the, the creation sense of natural stuff. Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent about wondering how natural robots are or not, but for the, for the sake, just keep it organic stuff. The stuff that God made, stuff that, that grows and, and propagates in healthy ways. But it's all had, a, had that touch. Now, a lot of us, maybe even you're spiritually might think you came from a really rich background and good stuff and beautiful traditions, and you just love it and love to hold on to it, and that's awesome. Others of us feel like, kind of got maybe okay so there's good stuff deep down in there but there's a lot of there's a lot of trash that I had to grow up into or and grow up I mean like the last you know 20 years of my adult life you know that kind of stuff of like it gets jacked and whether whether I am the one who co-ops things or gets co-opted or whether the systems of oppression are just too strong or whether my um my own frailty just keeps me from really spreading out and uh receiving the reality that I'm rooted deeply in Jesus and in love and, and can express it fully. It's, it's tough. And it's not that we remain pure to remain in love or that we remain untouched by our environment 
or that we may remain um, same all the time with the other trees or even with the other branches on the same tree, but that we express fruit according to our gifts and the seasons of life because the Holy Spirit makes it happen. And even as a church, we are not all trying to be the same kind of branch. Part of the strength of like Circle of Hope, for instance, is that there's lots of different kinds of people who are even passionate about different kinds of things. And they work it out how to dialogue, how to discern, how to move together. But we're growing into a colorful orchard who doesn't have to all just conform to the same ideas about how a tree should grow or, or what should be pruned all the time, but we practice listening to God and to one another. Here are a couple of our, um, our core convictions. You can see them on the website and stuff if you don't know them by heart. There's 11 of them, and uh, each of them has some wise sayings that accompany them, the Proverbs. So does anybody want to just read this bold one on top there, like with some conviction? Out loud. We are called out to be a living organism, building community together in love. And that's like one of the just crucial things about what we're trying to do and who we're trying to be is being a living organism, being brought together, building community, not just in sameness or in agreement or in uh, lockstep, but in love. Somebody, would somebody else read the, the other bold one? Dialogue is a word that we like a lot, and sometimes I think when you use a word a lot, it can lose some of its power, and that's unfortunate, because dialogue requires more than one participant engaging, not just speaking and listening, but sharing mutually, and, and it has a respectful connotation, I hope, and when we're trying to um, have that kind of humility that, or that kind of um, directness of listening, receiving, it's a, it's a good way to grow. It's a good way to, to, it's a good path to walk on. And the kinds of good fruit that come out of it, now is where I want to just talk about a bunch of stuff that's been happening lately as examples of just like, here's, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. It's kind of what good fruit is, right? But you can kind of define good fruit too, probably, right? In some ways, it's like, yeah, it's the end result of what you hoped or whatever, right? Like you, you, were, you had a honey crisp apple tree, Eventually, hopefully, you're just going to have honeycrisp apples, right? There's that. But then there's also just unexpected goodness that happens. And for a, for a, for a living organism like a church, good fruit is always including people getting touched by God or a new person being connected or celebrated or something uh, beautiful like that. And they're all kind of like that. So there's a couple of compassion teams that have been doing a lot of stuff lately Yesterday, the circle mobilized because Black Lives Matter had their meeting, and they're kind of gearing up in some new ways in how they communicate and how they get directed. This is, uh, Bethany and Andrew, particularly, are the leaders of the team. And they've been out a lot over the last two weeks doing some, you know, the, their basic three things that they try to do together. One of them is to help the church remain healthy and live according to our convictions about being an anti-racist church and, and expressing that good beauty. We're trying to help mobilize people who want to act in concert with the Black Lives Matter movement. So people in the church, we're trying to get them up doing stuff. So that's why they're always talking about going to rallies or demos or doing learning things. That's what they're into. And the third thing is looking for partners who are out there who maybe even think that... Um, 
have a certain idea about Christians or a certain idea about people trying to just follow in, in Jesus' ways that don't um, that that have too much conflict with Black Lives Matter that don't resonate deep enough. One of the the new wish teams is getting new life lately, Solidarity Beyond Borders. Matt Tice particularly has been um, hooking up with New Sanctuary Movement and then over the last two weeks where there's um, uh, deportations, border tightnesses, people getting turned around at the airport, demonstrations at the airport, people talking about sanctuary and what it means to be a, a, a place that somebody can be safe from hostile forces, whether they're governmental, they're economic, they're violence. And um, there's people among us who are trying to do that together. So that's a, that's a way to kind of connect if you're even feeling some of those, those desires, there's other people who are already doing that that you can hook up with and do together, so it would be good. One of the teams that it's forming is about the community workshop, which is um, particularly, you know, Greg Fouguet is, is leading the charge about how to make spaces for people to share tools and teach young people, we hope, how to work with wood and work with tools in ways that not only are artistic and beautiful and um, expression of a, of a person, but also are commercially viable. And likewise, another forming team that you'll hear more about later tonight is about watershed discipleship. It's about letting our land base that we're living into being our teacher and how Jesus is moving um, for us to not just care for creation as if it were separate, but how to, how to be part of this, this caring, nurturing relationship with the environment while it's under peril. And particularly, the, um, you, know, you, you may think about things like uh, climate science or the, the different pipelines that are getting kind of rebooted right now and how important um, that kind of work will be. Some of our... Uh, other teams, our, our mission teams are showing good fruit. There's two different events. We, are, we have an events team and, it, and, it, and it's kind of strange because it happens in multiple places in the church and it also a lot of them are centered here. But um, on Friday night and on Saturday there was the Black Arts Festival in, in South Philly and here there was a, a lively art opening um, showing the art of Brian Jerome. We actually got an article in the local paper last week, The Spirit. And did, you, did you all see that? It's pretty good. It's, it's one of those articles that I just think are so precious because it's like art and the church have had a, a rocky relationship over the years, and here's where it's kind of getting a little healthier. And for some of us, it's like, yeah, we've been saying that for a long time. But it's like now people are saying it who aren't even part of, they're not even Christians. And they're just kind of seeing like, oh, yeah, the, this gallery that we little, our humble little gallery has outlived most of the galleries in the neighborhood. And that is because you care enough about it. You love it enough to make it useful. And, um, and some of the people we're meeting the other day, it was, it was beautiful to see like, how good fruit is not just celebrating creativity or, or longevity, or to see Amanda in her, in her element flexing and coming up with cool stuff, but, uh, but new connections that we made. Our primary good fruit comes when cells multiply. And we've had two of them multiply in the last six weeks or something like that. It's fantastic. And new cells make it so easy uh, for people to connect because it has um, a, a sense of newness and an easy way to get in. You have new leaders, new apprentice leaders, new hosts. People get a chance to, 
to take deeper responsibility for the imagination of the group. We also have a new cellular coordinator. And through that was the fruit of Rob's good leading as a cellular coordinator over the last three years. Then I also came to a time to, to understand that leadership in our church is fluid. And when you're leading in a certain capacity, it doesn't mean you have to lead like that forever. And different seasons of life make it easier, harder to, uh, to do certain things. And Carrie Hartnett began as a new cell leader coordinator. That at the love feast, this is too many examples of just like good fruit. I, and some people, they, they don't like when I do this because they feel like I'm just tooting our horn or patting the church on the back all the time or something. But I got to tell you, I have endless amounts of high fives for you. And I, and, I, and I don't feel embarrassed about that. I think it's amazing. I look at just as simple as my Facebook news feed, and I see a bunch of junk going on in the world. I talk to some people, and they're jammed up. And it's, it's a, not all like high fives for everybody right now. So when I get to be part of something that's so beautiful and so full and rich and full of life, it's like Mentos all, all around the place. <laughs> and I just want to... Um, Let's just have some fresh breath from or whatever Mentos is supposed to do. P.S. Has anybody ever had a Mentos because they wanted fresh breath? No. It's candy. Anyway, but the, the love feast was an opportunity when we got together. You know, um, we're getting to the limit of, like, the love feast hardly works anymore because trying to get the covenant members in the same room, we don't have any rooms that are big enough. That is kind of a drag. You know, some people say, build a bigger room, you know, or some kind of like, we have to keep cramming them in. But it also might be, let's change our tradition. And let's, because with the love feast isn't just about being together with the, with the old gang, but it's about including new people. So we may even have to do it um, a little bit differently. But people got an opportunity to say, God has touched me in a way that makes me inspired to partner with you in more intentional ways and make a covenant with the others in Circle of Hope. And that's, that's the kind of what new fruit can look like, too, that kind of beginning. Tomorrow night, we're hoping to have a, a dinner with people who want to talk about Circle of Hope. What's it like? Um, it's an open discussion. We eat food. Let me know if, if that's something that appeals to you, because I'd like to have some conversations about what we can do together, what we can collaborate. Just think about your idea of sameness one more time. And it, even as you were scanning the room earlier today, right, and you're looking for gray, Surprisingly, there wasn't like that much from what I could see. There's a lot of, a lot of like blues and stuff, but hey. It's easy to look around and look for sameness. You may even looked around this room and thought everybody else is a certain kind of way, and you're this certain kind of way, right? Maybe you came in, you're not wearing shoes. You're like, the rest of these people are like shoe people. N not me. Not in February. You know, that's, uh, that's not my thing. Or... You can look around and see a couple of kids and be like, everybody has children in this place. Okay, everybody doesn't. Okay, there are a couple, and the, they're nice babies. But you could look around and see sameness. And if you want to look for sameness in everybody else in a way that can make you feel more alienated, you can do that, and it will reinforce your idea of how alienated you are and how same everybody else is, how, much, how good everybody else fits in, everybody else thinks the same thing about everything, and you're, and you're different and conflicted. A deeper reality is that we are all different in lots of different ways. We express different pieces of God's good ideas, and when we move together, you see how that, that beautiful biodiversity flexes and functions. 
What makes a healthy cell is like what makes a healthy relationship really special. It's not just affinity. It's not just sameness. But it's that, that it required love. And learning and teaching and loving together required this kind of touch from God. And it's going to be love that helps us cross over differences to be more beautiful for God and more accessible to the next person. So I hope that you might be a little more inspired today to consciously be a learner this week and let love be your teacher, especially through conflicted situations or difficult relationships. And if you're in one of those difficult moments, it might even be right now, start with gratitude. Start with that place that we began the meeting with and see if, if God doesn't even expand your heart through it. Remember how you have been loved even by a person who you're in conflict with, but also just how has God moved in ways and how have other people expressed it? Let that shape your interactions. What love have you already been sharing? Be conscious of it. Enjoy it. Identify it. Let differences be an opportunity to stretch and graft. It may take time. It may take a couple years just because, you know, there are a lot of differences. It doesn't get all worked out super tidy or super fast, and that can be kind of the, the fun of it. Keep letting love move through you. Your fruit that you bear is not for you. The fruit that you bear is for someone else. The fruit that you bear is for someone else, maybe not of your choosing. The fruit you bear is for people who may be on the edges of your consciousness. There might be people that you pass by and don't look in the eye. It might be people that you, live in your household. It might be people in the room that you haven't met yet. It might be somebody who's going to walk by and see that there's coffee today and just be like, I'm in. But I guess just something to wonder about as we wrap it up is who might you have been given something beautiful, something that's love, who are you going to give it to this week that maybe you just see differences? You just see the rub. You just see the conflict. You just see the drama. Or maybe you don't know them. Who was who God putting even in your mind or on your heart to be able to share it with? Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.